Good morning. It is uh, my privilege to be here to bring the message this morning. We're going to be in Psalm 133 and 134 this morning. These are the last two Psalms of Ascent. These are uh, the last two of 15 Psalms of Ascent. And the, the pilgrims are at the end of their journey towards Jerusalem to worship. And there is rejoicing in the unity that is had with the people of God. And there are exhortations to continue in worship and an, uh, an allusion to the ironic blessing to con- uh, conclude the Psalms of Ascent. This, these two Psalms are the climax People, they finally have ascended, and they are overcome with emotion. They're ready to worship. Indeed, they have been worshiping this entire climb, if you will. So let's dive right in, and uh, let's read our text this morning. Psalm 133, a song of ascents of David. Behold, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God, for its sufficiency to teach us, to rebuke us, to train us for righteousness. God, your word is also meant to encourage us. Lord, in in these two psalms, God, we are meant to be drawn into to worship. God, help us to use these psalms to worship Jesus as people, God's people, have done for thousands of years before us. Bring life to your word this morning. Bring life to our hearts from your word by the Holy Spirit. May we see Jesus and be drawn in to worship him. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 133. What an emotional outburst this psalm is. The pilgrims have arrived. They have started their journey all the way back in Psalm 120, quite far from the people of God and from the presence of righteousness, as we saw in that psalm. And now they are praising God for the unity that they are experiencing when they are worshiping alongside other worshipers of Yahweh. And David starts this psalm off saying, Behold, we've seen this before, it means come and see. 
Come experience what I'm experiencing, what we are experiencing. Come experience the joy of corporate worship, David is saying, the unity that we have. Because it is good and it is pleasant. Did you catch that? It's good, it's right, and it's also enjoyable. It's pleasant. Have you ever experienced this when it comes to unity among brothers and sisters uh, in Christ? Or just unity with each other in general, like family unity? Um, I have experienced this um, when we have our Lewis family gatherings on my wife's side. We have Lewis family gatherings once a year, and either Christmas time or Easter or, or, or uh, 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 Thanksgiving, we, we gather together, all of the families, all four of our families, and, and we all pile into one house, and uh, we embrace the chaos or embrace the crazy. It's like written on a sign in the house. We embrace it for, uh, for a little while. And, um, but once the kids are in bed, we have dinner together. Uh, the adults do, and we, we sit down and eat a meal uh, together as adults, and, and Brian, my father-in-law, he has us go around. Each sub-family group goes around and shares a review of, uh, of this past year and, and then a preview of the coming year, and he has us share intimate things, and we, we do. We share the highs and the lows, the, the good things, the, the joyful things that have happened in our family, and and the, the hard and challenging things that have happened. We weep together. We laugh together. We pray for one another. We give glory to God. Um, and for uh, the testimony of, of, of his work in our life. And it's a time where we are united as a family. Yeah, we have different journeys in life. We parent differently, and we, we, uh, you know, we live in other uh, places of the country, and we have different jobs, but we stop all those. We, we put a pause on all of our routines and our jobs, and we come together, and we are unified, and we can feel it. We can, there's this togetherness, this, this bond that we have with one another when we're present with one another, and that brings us so much joy and so much meaning. David experienced this kind of feeling, this kind of unity during his coronation in Second um, Samuel five, and there's uh, also in First Chronicles eleven, where all the tribes of Israel gather around, they're unified around David, and they say and they declare their loyalty to David as king, and David makes a covenant with them. And at this point, it's been so long since Israel has been unified together, but they do this. They, they come together and they, they unify around David as their king. Brothers in unity, as this psalm, Psalm 133, talks about. Sons and daughters of Israel coming together to pledge their loyalty to God's anointed. Isn't that what we do here? And when we gather come together for corporate worship. We are gathering 
to honor and to pledge our loyalty, to, to declare our loyalty to God's ultimate anointed, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. David, uh, and speaking of anointed, David actually gives us an analogy here. He says, it is like precious, the precious oil on the head. The precious oil. It's, it's the oil. The oil that was only used for specific purposes in the temple to consecrate the things of the temple and to consecrate the priest and especially the high priest, in this case, Aaron. Now I know why Gary wanted me to do this psalm, right? There's a lot of Aaron. There's Aaron here, Aaron's beard. Come on. Yeah. So it starts on the head, the oil, right, is poured out on Aaron and it's poured out on his head, but doesn't stay there. It, the, uh, David just describes just where it's falling and, and what it's covering. It goes to the beard and it covers the beard and then it covers his clothes and it goes all the way down to the collars or the, the hem of, De, of, of Aaron's robe, of the, the priestly robe. And so literally from head to toe, this the precious oil that wasn't supposed to be duplicated or, or made for any other purpose was covering and consecrating the high priest for temple worship, for temple duties. And so all parts of the body are covered, all signifying that, that all parts of the body are participating in this consecration, this dedication. For David, this is a beautiful symbol of the unity that the Israelites, as God's chosen people, the people of promise, had with one another. And, of course, the same can be said with us as believers. Members of Christ's body, right? In 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul talks about that. In, in, in 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13, he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We might look a lot different. We might talk a lot different. We might have different experiences in our life. We might even believe different things, have differing opinions. But we have one spirit. Because there is only one body of Christ. And this is the unity that we have as Christ followers. David continues with a similar analogy of dew falling on Mount Hermon. And that same dew falling on the mountains of Zion. Now what's David talking about here? He's talking about mountain dew. <laughs> Can you believe it? Man, let's talk in my language now. Mount Dew. Let's look at a map here on the screen. All right. We got Mount Hermon, the, the northern, uh, really the northernmost part of Israel. It's the, it's the highest peak in Israel. And then we have, towards the south, mountains of Zion, where Jerusalem is, where Zion is, right? And it's a lot lower in elevation, okay? So what David's saying is, is the dew, the same dew, is falling on the highest peak of Israel, and then the low 
mountains as well. The same dew that brings fruitfulness is falling on all of Israel. All of Israel are reaping the benefits of this dew and the fruitfulness it brings. Again, this calls to mind the unity we have as Christians, doesn't it? And Paul describes each of us as individual, unique members of one body, the church, all unified to benefit the whole, all participating in the benefits of the fruit of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul also says that we should be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're unified, but living in unity requires maintenance. We're unified as Christ's body, as believers in Jesus, but living in unity requires maintenance. And furthermore, we must be eager to maintain that unity. That's easy, right? Because, you know, we're all believers in Jesus, so we all agree on everything, and we never have any differing, you know, uh, interpretations of the Bible, you know, because we all love God, and we never get our feelings hurt, or because, you know, we're always so kind to one another. Always. So it's, it's easy to be eager to maintain that unity, right? I know, unfortunately, uh, that's why it takes maintenance, because we do differ in some of those things. We do fall short, and we're not kind. We do have differing opinions, and you know, that's what we're going to have this side of heaven. And we've got to be okay with that. Um, but we're not always eager to maintain unity because it's hard, right? It's hard when someone does have a differing opinion than I do and a different interpretation maybe of a passage of Scripture or, or, or a way to live life. You know, It's hard to, to be unified with that person because we just differ. And, and if, uh, if I'm offended by someone, I don't want to go out of my way to make peace with that person. I need to guard my inner peace, right? I need to to keep toxic people away from me, right? That's what the world says. It's what we read on social media. Now, we have to protect our unity. We have to fight for it. Maintain it, Paul says. In Romans 12, Paul says, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, I believe he's talking about everyone. You know, believers, unbelievers alike here in the context of this verse. But I think that we can apply this principle of as far as it depends on you to the idea of unity as well among believers. As far as it depends on on you, are are you doing, am I doing everything I can do 
Have I tried everything to maintain peace and unity with my brother, my sister, in Christ? This is eagerness. Exhausting every method I can possibly think of to maintain unity with fellow Christians. This would set us apart from the world, wouldn't it? This is not how the world operates. If we're different than each other, then, well, we got to protect our inner peace. So we, we, can't be a, we, we can't be around people that might offend us. But Paul says to be eager. God's word says to be eager to maintain unity. And David, in Psalm 133, gives us a reason to be eager to maintain unity. He says, it's good. It's pleasant. It's enjoyable. It's the right thing to do. It's like the precious perfume that is poured upon the high priest, covering his whole body for, for, the, for the work in the temple. It is like the dew on the mountains that covers all of Israel and all benefit from the fruitfulness of the dew. It is good. So what is a practical way to maintain unity? What is a practical way to maintain this unity that we have with one another? Well, we can celebrate what we have in common, what unifies us, and Namely, Jesus. Jesus unifies us as believers. He is our Savior of our sins and Lord of our lives. We are unified in his spirit. This is ultimate unity, and it brings peace. And think about it this way. If, if we start thinking about Jesus and how we are unified as brothers and sisters in Christ, in Jesus, then I start thinking about what Jesus has done for me. I start thinking about how he's forgiven me of my sins. Today, the sins that I've committed today, let alone yesterday and the day before that, I start thinking about the forgiveness I have in Jesus. And how much he has taken away my sin because he loves me so much. And then I, I think about how, well, if God forgives me my sin, he's forgiven my brother in Christ his sin. My sister, her sin. So it starts to change my attitude, right? So it's, it's very practical thinking about what we have in common, because it changes our very attitude. And I, I think about, you know, if, if we feel like someone has been wrong to us and, and we feel like we're in the right and we want to tell them how they're in the wrong and show that to them because they're ignorant of it and we need, to, we need to tell them. I think of what Jesus said on the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And what if every time I felt like I needed to point out the wrong and the offense in my brother and my sister, if every time I, I just prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because then I start thinking about forgiveness. Jesus didn't 
try to correct the people that were putting him on the cross. Didn't try to say, no, nah, no, nah, this is not the right thing to do. He prayed. He said, Father, forgive them. And this needs to be our prayer too. This needs to be our attitude. Grace. And you know, sometimes, um, perhaps most of the time, the best way to maintain unity requires me to remind myself of the gospel that has been so graciously given to me. Maybe that's, maybe that's all it takes. Because then I'm slow to speak. Then I'm slow to defend myself. I'm slow to take offense. And I'm quick to show grace, Lord willing. By the grace of Jesus Christ, my attitude changes. Of course, maintaining unity may take a conversation. Starting with the phrase, I'm sorry. And then having a conversation about what Jesus has been doing and teaching me in my own life, in my, uh, in my own personal life. And then we start talking about Jesus together and we're unified then, you know. We start having this unified, um, unity that's, that's good and that's enjoyable together. David in verse 3 says, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, <coughs> life forevermore. There, Zion, right, from Jerusalem, God has commanded the blessing. Blessing for all nations comes from God's people, Israel, eternal life. Dr. Walt Kaiser, in his book, The Journey Isn't Over, which has been a a really great resource for me as I've been studying uh, this past week, he says that this phrase, life forevermore, is the first time eternal life is mentioned in the Older Testament. Isn't that interesting? The first time in a short little three-verse psalm about unity. Eternal life is mentioned here. So eternal life is all about eternal life with God and the people that he's redeemed. We're going to be unified for a long time. And it's the ultimate blessing, it says here. The blessing. So one day, like David experienced at the time of his coronation, a great multitude will gather from every nation, from every tribe, from all languages. Yes, other denominations, people with different opinions that, than we have, we all will stand before the throne of the ultimate David, our good and our ultimate shepherd. And we will worship him, and we will declare our loyalty to the King of kings and Lord of lords, that he is worthy to be praised. This will be the apex of our brotherly unity together. So let's strive and be eager to maintain that unity 
right now. And moving on to Psalm 134, this is the last song, psalm of ascent. And this short psalm is the climax of praise and of worship to God. It's the people once again singing, and this time addressing the Levites, the priests, the servants of the Lord that are at work all night in the temple doing what needs to be done to continue to worship in the way the Lord has prescribed. The people would take a pilgrimage uh, to, to Jerusalem, and, and when they would depart, they would often do so in the middle of the night or uh, early in the morning before the sun would come up. And, and as they would be caravanning out, they would go by the, the temple, and they would see lights in the temple they would notice that the Levites are there working. And it would fill them with so much joy to see the Levites, the priests, continuing the worship, continuing the work that needs to be done to do the worship that God had prescribed. And they're filled with so much joy that they shout and they exclaim and they sing and they, and they address the Levites. They say, keep on worshiping. Keep on praising, keep on blessing the name of the Lord as you do your ministry work. Continue to intercede for us as we're going and as we go back to our homes. Continue to do the good work that you're doing and lift up hands in prayer to, in the holy place. Please continue your worship as you work. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how as a vocational pastor, I need that exhortation. I am tempted to get consumed with the programming and the operational side of ministry and the logistics, the troubleshooting that comes, you know, when, when problems arise. And, and I can get so consumed with that that sometimes I forget, man, I'm not worshiping. I'm a minister and I'm not worshiping. I need to be worshiping. I need to keep on Blessing God as I do these good things like operational things, logistical things. These are good things, but I need to keep on worshiping, keep on blessing the Lord. And so I'd encourage you guys, pray for us pastors that we would keep on doing that as we work in ministry We'd keep the main thing the main thing. Keep our eyes upon Jesus. And sh shout out to me sometimes. Bless the Lord! <laughs> Worship while you work! <laughs> I need it, you know? And we all need it, right? We all need that in, in, when, in whatever vocation that we're in. We're called to worship God in everything that we do. And we all need to, to encourage one another in this. And it's so... It's so amazing to see the joy coming from the people as they are, are witnessing their leaders, their priests, worship. You know, they're demonstrating worship. Anyone who comes upon this platform in a worship service is demonstrating worship. 
the person who gives the message, the person who is giving the announcements, person, persons singing, playing music. We are demonstrating, teaching worship. And we need to be reminded of that. We need prayers that we would demonstrate worship well, that we would worship in spirit and truth ourselves as we desire to lead the congregation into worship. Pray for us as we do that. May all of us as a church, a holy priesthood, as the Apostle Peter would describe us, may all of us continue to bless the Lord and lift up our hands in prayer, in worship. And the last phrase of the Psalms of Ascent, the very last one, is an echo of the ironic blessing, a theme we've seen actually throughout the Psalms of Ascent. This is a response, actually. This, this last phrase is a response from the Levites as they are hearing the people address them to bless the Lord. They bless the people. They say, may the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. They're reminding the people that, hey, the God that is here in the temple is with you now. He is with you on your journey home. He is with you at home. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And he is with you, and he is blessing you, and he has blessed you from Zion. Our God is sovereign over all, and he is with us, not just here in this building, in this gathering, I believe he's here in a special way when we gather, but he's not just here. He's, in us, he's, he's with us in our workplaces and in our homes, and he has blessed us, guys, from Zion. He has blessed us by giving us his son, Jesus. No preparation from priests or cleansings or slaughtering of animals or sprinkling of blood could ever actually take away sins. That's what the author of Hebrews tells us. But it's Jesus and his blood, his perfect sacrifice, the righteous one for the unrighteous. He takes away our sin, and he blesses us that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to do a responsive reading as we're dismissed this morning. Um, we're just going to read Psalm 134 together. We're going to uh, read together the first two verses, and then I'll um, state the last verse, a blessing over us as we go. So let's, let's read this. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. 
Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. Amen. Go in peace and unity.